0: So we're sure. live we're
1: yeah,
0: live
2: we're live oh my goodness
1: oh my goodness I mean, i'm so excited decision. just press go
0: yeah bahar was talking about how it would be great if we could license like turn back time um <laughs> wait what or no god i'm hi i forget which song you were actually saying <laughs> oh no 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 uh,
2: it was whitney houston's how do i know oh god
0: much oh, better song. song.
2: It's a great song.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay, but why? How do I know what? How do I know if they really like me?
0: I think that people like you. We're uh, forgot to submit to the ennies and thus sidestepped a whole bunch of bullshit uh podcast. You know, I was, would love it to was be a bad
1: ennies. It was a bad ennies. I, I think I think we accidentally made <laughs> the right decision.
0: Uh
2: yes, uh, Jared blogged about it.
1: I did. It was an angry blog. (laughs)
2: Also, can I just say, can I just uh, quote Jared on so many things? I don't do podcasts. A podcast is as bad as a blog. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Looking down through this thread, Jared, this is really funny. This is really, really funny.
0: Hmm, What are these
2: other quotable quotes?
0: We should probably introduce ourselves. Okay. We're on our twenty-first episode. Drops confetti. Is this our twenty-first? It's our twenty-first yeah, episode. It's old enough to drink in podcast years. Wow, like we could legally serve this podcast alcohol in all fifty states of the United States and in all of its territories and um, black sites and military bases. Oh, so right. it's our so- two-year
1: anniversary this month, right?
0: Oh my
2: goodness, is this going to be the first episode where I say, oh my goodness, hi everyone, where I don't say it's been a while?
0: <laughs> it hasn't been a while, we're not late.
2: Yeah, I know, but this is a special one because as Jad and Fiona have pointed out, this is episode 21, but perhaps more importantly, this is our second anniversary everyone. Congratulations, we did it, We raised we raised a baby into toddlerhood.
1: Yeah. Next the podcast will learn to talk.
2: Oh my goodness. By which you
1: mean social
2: media? <laughs> <laughs> we should introduce ourselves, but we didn't just really think of a question today. What's no, your favorite
0: Jared quote?
2: Our favorite Jared quote, I guess mine would be just that. Um, I don't do podcasts. <laughs> Jared, September twenty twenty. Who are you though? <laughs> Oh yes. Hi, I'm Mahar and I'm in this podcast because 2 years ago I thought along with another friend it would be really good to rip on a book and now it's become a lasting friendship.
0: I'm Fiona and uh, I my favorite Jared quote is so he works at Dip and Dots which was after like a <laughs> 5 minute pause. <laughs> <laughs> that moment has become so iconic. It was an iconic moment in Jared. You had to be there because I don't think you'll tell the joke again. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the first time I've
1: told that story, but it has to come up organically. Um, So my name's Jared. And my favorite Jared quote. That's hard. I don't remember the stuff I say. It's normal to me. You know, you guys all get to experience how brilliant (laughs) I am secondhand, you know. But, like, I just, it's all normal to me. Everything I say is amazing.
2: Actually, Jared, what you should do is you should explain to me, you should explain to everyone why I was dying just before you pressed record because you introduced me to a Tim Allen grunt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Mahar,
1: I asked Mahar, we were talking about tools. And I asked Mahar if they'd ever done the Tim Allen grunt. And I demonstrated. And it goes like this. Oh, 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 like that.
2: Oh my God. There's so much testosterone in the atmosphere right now.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's the Tim Allen grunt where he's really expressing his full masculinity. There is a confused version of the Tim Allen grunt that kind of goes oh, like that. I'm not very it good at that. It sounds like one.
2: Scooby-Doo.
1: Yeah. It has a Scooby-Doo <laughs> Very similar too, voice work. Sure. Yeah.
2: Oh my goodness. Well, welcome everyone to Trying to Be Kind. It's a podcast that looks at various texts that talk about TTRPGs and under an academic lens. And today, though, we don't have a book. We're we're We're
0: on a break episode or bottle episode. Yes. We send our love to
2: Joe, who's recovering today. So yeah, friendos, I mean, it is our second anniversary. And you know what that means? We get to recall... We get to recollect. We get to celebrate ourselves.
1: That's true. Isn't that so? Fun? Here's a question. Here's a question about us. What? What do y'all think is like the be- Not the best book we've done. I don't want to know what you think is the best book we've done. What do you think's the best? Like we've done. You know what I mean? Of the different, different seasons. Which Which book did we perform best with? Do you think?
2: honestly it's hard to say because ironically i was saying this a few days to you that the name of the podcast is trying to be kind but we actually haven't said trying to be kind as a caveat
1: that's since true. the first book that's true.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think after deciding that we wanted to like not tear our hair out yeah we've stopped saying trying to
1: we did kind of set the show up with that first book in mind i think
2: oh my goodness right i thought you know like i think we decided we were just going to do podcasts just for the first book and then we ended up liking doing it together
1: mm-hmm. but yeah it was going to be a limited yeah. time only thing yeah but personally if i can answer my own question i think our current season is our best season yet i do you think so i do I think we've done a great job with it this season. You know, it was one of those things where like, uh, with especially with the last episode, I feel like our last episode was very strong. I was very happy with it. Um, mm-hmm. I think Joe is a good addition. It's good to have Joe around. We have a nice rapport and it's a good book and we've got good things to say about it. I'm happy. I'm proud of us this season, personally.
2: I've always been proud of us.
1: Yeah, but this season for me, especially.
2: <laughs> My goodness. It's like talking about our children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> How about you? <laughs> How about you, Fiona? You know, I'm gonna. I I don't think there's like a good answer for me. Like, I feel like it's a trap because <laughs> I suggested two of the books that we've done. Well, one of the media hypertexts, and also, you know, this book we're currently on, and I kind of liked, you know, having a bit more tension with the text or like disagreement with how I think it constructed itself. But I also think that like that just sometimes lapses into feeling like I'm making the same argument I've made a hundred times on the internet. And I think Mm. that like, we just keep getting better. I think this episode is our best episode with no guest.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, the thing is like, I'm filled with the spirit of being contrarian. And maybe that's why our, <laughs> maybe that's why our, our first season, so to speak, I have very fond memories of, because I would just rant. And yeah, then the, the last, first season
1: was a lot of fun.:
2: The first season, I mean, like you know, it's not that we should subscribe to a culture of constant dunkage, but my goodness, that first season just let us sharpen our knives.: Yeah,
1: and you know what. Yeah. Like, as much as we did take the book to town a little bit, I, th- I think we were fair, you know? Like, I think we spent some time sort of really sitting with what it was trying to do and trying to get it on its own terms as well, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel I like think, we were... I think, yeah.
2: Out of, sentiment, out of sentimentality, I, w- I, do, I would say I have a very special place in our heart for that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, <laughs> but in terms of, I think, like, our favorite stuff, I did like doing the critical role episode quite a bit
1: you know what until fiona mentioned it a minute ago i'd forgotten we did that completely i
0: actually think that critical role is the like i can't remember that episode (laughs) what (laughs) critical role with with all of y'all i remember talking with y'all i remember when i was watching the episode having thoughts about it but like I cannot stress enough how excellent it is at filling time in a way where it feels like nothing happened and yet I was engaged the whole time. Oh, like for sure. It is, it's got that Michael Bay quality. Yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. You know. Oh, my God. I, it, it's a spectacle. Like, there was a spectacle and there was a bit of it where I was like, this feels kind of sus, but it's also like a massive fan base where – for the most part, I think they're people who are understandably defensive about having a niche hobby, but also I don't really want to be in the 10 minutes of hate for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't hate it either. I, just I didn't found hate that- it. No, I mean, I didn't that's hate the it. thing is, like, it, it's really hard to say that people that are very successful in media industries are bad at being on audio recording or video recording, like... There's just a degree of. It's not like we're out here. Like, it's not like we could make a television show like they do with the current setup we have. Like, we would actually need to invest money to even put together enough video. Mm.
2: Have I have I told you that I actually started watching the Amazon Prime, um, the thing that came out of Kickstarter, their Critical Role stuff, the cartoon oh, that yeah.
0: exists. It does. Yeah, that, yes. So, like, people we know have watched it and been me, kind of shrugged. Like,
2: me and a couple of coworkers have traded like passwords to our streaming services because we're cheap that way, right?
1: Oh, yeah. No, that's correct. Yeah. I
2: mean, so, like, so we've been like sharing each other's passwords. And so I'm back to watching Prime Video. And so I saw it and I just thought, you know what? I will listen to this in the background. Oh, my God. When you were saying, um, how it's just a spectacle where there's ne- nothing is going on. And you just like, you can't remember what happened. It just goes on. It carries over into the, it carries over into the, uh, into the actual animated flick.
0: I'm going to have to watch an episode because it is, it's a show, right?
2: It's a show. Yeah. It's an actual cartoon with voice acting and everything.
0: So like, did they, like, because I haven't watched crit role like did they just like take a season of the like actual play and then like give it to a script room to like work it, it feels into like it. an animated it, series
2: it feels like it because the thing is like each episode is only 30 minutes long and one episode of critical role is like four hours long so they really have to whittle down into an yeah, eighth but, like, D&D I, yeah,
0: just... combat is like hours and that's not me trying to like be mean spirited it's just true. yeah it takes the a while that, like I they mean, run it and the way that like most people play that game like i combat mean that does eat time
2: the way most people play that game you're only going to have like one session of combat i think you'll only have, like two like back-to-back series of combat and what's the other thing it's like you you watch it and you know it's like of course it has to be very fast-paced combat so I just find it rather amusing that we, you know it's like, huh, if you watch something, it's a lot faster. So the day the AI allows you to literally just watch your, or telepathically create your VR virtual reality or your, your D&D playing, I think sessions will be a lot shorter.
0: Yeah, that's the plot to Ray Bradbury's The Veldt, kind of.
2: Well, there you go. There you go. I wish I'd imagined it. Oops.
0: There's 12
1: episodes.
2: Yeah. Of of a critical (laughs) role show. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's great background fodder. I will say that much.
1: I'll have to watch one episode. I'm expecting it to be mostly fan service. I'd imagine, not, but
0: not in the traditional anime sense. Oh, of Oh, yeah, service, no, sorry, right? in, in like,
1: the in the in the second sense of the term,
0: like um, service yeah, to yeah. the people that have a fandom to their characters. Yeah, right? I imagine like, so
2: because the thing is, like I never that. fully, I never fully watched like episodes of Critical Geass. They were just they just felt too long. So you know, so if there is fan service, I would not know. Yeah, but we do have something more specific we'd like to you know like like to discuss in mind today, like. Is actual structure as proposed by our great, our crone, Fiona.
0: Bringing the end to all things.
2: Well, you know, snip, snip, Fiona, snip, snip.
0: But um, yeah, you know, I think uh, a thing that kind of has been kicking around in my head a lot, especially sometimes with reasons why I walk away from Twitter and have been on private for an incredible amount of time, is I actually do think games are important. Right In a certain way, um, I think it's important to take them seriously. I've gotten into arguments with people over the fact that I've said you should actually think about games um, as more than <laughs> a mere product. And, um, you know, I think that's part of why I do this podcast, um, you know, is that I think that we're contributing something to the conversation around games, Um so yeah, you know I thought it was a good chew on the fat, kick things around a bit. Talk like grad students having a smoke break before um, you know, our proper Halloween episode at the Apex of the uh, Satanic Panic um that will probably be out in November.
1: So the so the question is basically why we think games are important.
0: Yeah, more or less. That actually bears
2: a lot of thinking. As in i don't have an easy answer for that one
1: yeah i i have kind of a contrarian position on this not 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 actually but kind of glibly well okay so probably like the classic jared move here is to say well games are not important play is important uh because i have my whole big bag of bullshit about how game is like false and imaginary and Um. only play exists But I think that's not really in the spirit of the question. So like, as far as the importance of play, broadly speaking, um, I think it's a really pertinent question for where we're at in the podcast right now, because that's kind of what this whole second half of the book is dealing with. Um, And it's actually done a really good job. It's given me some vocabulary for talking about things that I've sort of been talking about poorly for a very long time. But, you know, it's one of those things like, for instance, we talk about or I talk about, I don't know if anyone else does, about, you know, embodiment in play, how we sort of take on these a priori ideological commitments in sitting down to play, and then we wear them for a period of time in play. And then theoretically, we can put them down at the end of play and return to sort of uh, our initial, initial state. Uh, but that 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 period where we're embodying whatever... Ideological commitments we are in play is important insofar as it can be transformative, and this is. I'll take this opportunity to say that <laughs> the re- this is the, what I'm saying right now is part of the reason why I'm so insistent about the divide between game and play. Is I do not want to come across as saying that that ideological the, that set of ideological commitments is in any way equivalent to. A game that some game designer wrote and put in a book. I do not think that's the case. And that's why it has to be play.
2: Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, it's, there is a, there's an energy to playfulness, which doesn't necessarily have to be bound by how you access that energy. So, yeah. Like, and it's, it's like, yeah. the, it's
1: one of those things where, like, we could, we could sit here and split hairs about whether a game text sets up some kind of boundary around play or whether it, Provides some kind of ground upon which play can operate, uh, but I think at the end of the day, um, even if those things are true, like they're only true in play,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? There's like a <laughs> there's a there's an inversion of cause and effect. I think in assuming that the embodiment that that players embody a game, I actually think the game embodies the players. If
2: mm-hmm. you get that. well, you know, like I think I will push back a little bit because I. This is not a system matters argument. Okay, I just want to caveat that
1: it. Right is. <laughs> now,
2: I want to caveat this right now. You know, every single episode, I always think, when are we going to get canceled? Uh, you know, or at least like, when will the when will the villagers come with their pitchforks? But uh, like, I would push back partially on the notion of pure play. Because I do also think that, for example, the question could also be rephrased into why does, uh, why do tabletop RPGs matter vis-a-vis other various forms of accessing play? Like mm. what is the unique uh, contributing factor to the, the uh, RPG? Vis-a yeah, vis-a-vis say. a video game or a board game. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you take like special tricks of your own volition, right? Like I have... Met, for example, people on Final Fantasy fourteen, people who do RP, and they are role playing, and they are like you know using their avatars, which, mind you, I don't, I find nothing wrong with whatsoever. I think it's actually quite fun, and I engage in that myself. It's just that there is a different, I guess, energy to a TTRPG game. You know, it's 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 a lot of it that's also there. I think, mm. um, like it's one thing to play, but I also think like the different kinds of activity that we do in order to play, it's almost like having different flavors. And I think that also matters quite a bit. So like I've been gaming. Yeah, I do as well. For and, while, and I do, like, do
1: want to agree with you. Um, I, I tend to get a little, like I make points the, the point very strongly, mm-hmm. but basically <laughs> uh, another way of saying sort of what I was pointing to earlier is that, There there could be game, like game could be something that exists, although I deny Mm -hmm. that pretty regularly, but it's not equivalent to the game text.
2: You're right, a game atheist, it. aren't you? That's what I find very really much. fun.
1: Ab- absolutely, very much. Not ag- Militantly
2: so. Nothing agnostic about, like, Jar Bear's, uh, like, stance <laughs> on games. It's very, it's like, hmm, is it a game? Is it not a game? Is this play? Is it not play? No. There is no uncertainty <laughs> with you. And this is why we <laughs> wanted... I, oh, yeah. I rem- now, now, it's all coming back to me, Jared. Why we <laughs> wanted you to join the podcast. Mm. Because... <laughs> It's like, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, because Jared has a very strong opinion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Oh, but, um, yeah. Go for yeah. it. I've got a hot take in a very different direction, but that does have a callback. Oh, right? yeah. I think, right, there's the phrase that I think we all can agree on of D&D is too important to leave to Gary Gygax and that's early and Mm. I think that that is an innovation that the field has neglected ever since as we keep manufacturing the idea that a designer creates a text and that the text and the designer are synonyms and that those synonyms infect play like a ghost and that that ghost which infects it right and the thing is that I think why games are important is that games are what banish designers. Designers despise play. Designers design and curate experiences in many cases, but they do not actually want people to play games. And the culture of playing games and writing games to be played and experiencing games and playing games with people is too important to leave to people that have no respect for the, uh, you know, actual playing of games.
2: You do realize that if you substitute a few words in your, in your argument, you're basically saying you could basically like explain, Oh my goodness. Did we just explain the reformation in your, argument? <laughs> you know what? Christianity is too important to leave to the Pope. <laughs> And that is why, I mean, really, when you get down to it, that's, that's what we're saying, right? Like, so a part of it is also kind of like the author is dead as an argument also kind of makes me laugh a little bit,
1: even when they're still alive.
0: For sure. I mean, the author exists, right? Because I think people misuse the author is dead sometimes in arguments the same way I wish people would actually cite the you know, substance of Adorno rather than simply hang him out to dry for having terrible taste in jazz rather than talking about how everything's products. I mean, the author is trivially there. Uh, The book couldn't contain something the author couldn't imagine, but that's like an argument as old as Descartes. But like the moral value to that is weirdly, I think the most amoral thing in games. You know, the idea that there is a virtue imparted, which is a conversation that Jared and I have had a lot of times Um. well it's it's
1: the the thing with death of the author when it comes to something like tabletop rpgs is i i'm not saying and i get accused of this sometimes which is why i'm bringing it up i'm not saying that you know vincent baker is dead i'm saying vincent baker is not the author of play you know what i mean like he he wrote a book (laughs) he wrote a few of them but that is not the book is not play um, these two things may intersect in various sort of strange and unpredictable ways. But when we're talking about play, I don't think it serves us to look to the, the designer as an author.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I don't, I don't want to look at authorial or designer intent when I'm, mm. when I'm making an experience out of a particular book.
0: For sure. When I, I think that's what we've taken from all the things we've read, right? Is that in some ways, I think the, communities around games are more important than individual components. And that's what's exciting to me about studying games seriously rather than having a great man theory of history. Um, Let's all sip on, you know, this is where we sip our phantom wine classes on that. (laughs) It's like, yes,
2: no, mm, no, but seriously though, like I think um, we've been all been gaming for a really long time in our lives, honestly. Yeah. So like um it does matter, I think. Like for some people, and I think we need to acknowledge this as well, for some people, uh, gaming is so much a part of their identity, for good or for ill, that I think that the reason why, and we're kind of hinting at this already in the in the current book, is that it is so part of one's identity that to uh manipulate with its rules or conventions feels like insulting someone on a religious level. So like the fact that we have edition wars, the fact that we have, um, I mean, seriously, like, right. Yeah. Like the fact that we have yeah. rules lawyers, the fact that we have people consuming vast amounts of money on vast amounts of text. I mean, think, I, I honestly cannot think of any other modern activity which requires such vast amounts of literacy in order to enjoy
0: well it's the same way that like you know an effect i think is interesting about the dragon game in particular but games in general is in theory good ap doesn't require you to know the person but like any board or card game on some level they have to be a skilled player mechanically or already interesting in that like for a number of reasons right if the what is it critical role group had actually been playing cards against humanity. I don't think they would have been able to launch themselves as far, even though I'm sure they have okay comedic timing and that game sets you up for not great punchlines, but punchlines, you know, like there's something about the game that is like capable of creating something when it becomes play that involves the collective of people around it. That is like some sort of odd ritual. I can't hmm. tell if I sound crazy or not. No, no I, I don't I think, think so. Yeah. Oh, you first. Uh, you first,
1: Jared. Oh no, I I don't have anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was just the two of us swooping in to say no, Fiona. We I get yeah, you. I was just
1: saying yeah, you yeah, know, you're fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean seriously though, I mean yeah, you know, like seriously, like, how I was wondering on the two of you, like how long have y'all been playing? Like such that it's been like it does matter because if it didn't matter, we wouldn't be doing it. I think to be oh, perfectly yeah, sure. honest about it. Yeah. It'd be yeah, facetious I mean, to say, to ask the question and say, eh, it didn't matter.
1: <laughs> I guess I played my first RPG like 15 years ago. I took a break in there. But yeah, I've been, I've been playing games a long while now that I think about it.
2: I've been playing games for like off on since I was seven. So uh, that means fun. off yeah. on like, yeah. oh my God, you did I say something gross?
0: No, I'm about <laughs> to say the basically same thing i'm off on since i was five and which of us has been playing longer involves deducing what our ages are and i don't want people to do that well i don't mind i i've I've, you know what i will say that gaming has kept me young it really has i was already old as a child and war gaming and rpgs just made me older (laughs) No, Look, I think, you think you're man at a strategy game like I, and you I, are like basically no, in short pants like there's will, nothing they can say
2: back to you. I will also push back on this. I think it's your playmates
0: that made you old not play.
2: Not the game. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it begs the question, why were you playing with adults when you were in shorts? I mean seriously.
0: That's the uh, <laughs> do you can you competitively war game with children no they suck at it most children can't learn stratego
1: they're so dumb
0: like, <laughs> as, <laughs> or, as a child this is what i sounded like. like this is literally i would rather play like warhammer against boomers at a card shop than try and teach another kid how to play the rudiments of a strategy game so i could play a harder one this is you know i think this is just the dangers of being precocious That's oh, yeah all i it was is. like prematurely an old person and then I was a scumbag like <laughs> I I have flirted with a kid's mom at an MTG tournament to throw them off like oh I didn't god. even win very well seriously <laughs> you fl- <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have a wedding ring on oh, I was 22 my... and how old was Brianna? the kid that's my question like 14 oh my <laughs> god Fiona Like old enough that me saying I could fuck your mom would actually get under his skin.
1: Yeah. That's, that's playing to win right there. Oh my God. (laughs) My, my favorite. So since we're talking about MTG, my, my thing that I do um, specifically to put other players on tilt, or I did when, when I played MTG was I always, I I played burn for a long time. I still play burn whenever I can. um, But I never had, I always had mismatched mountains and never match MTG your lands players, i never match my lands and mtg players hate that they hate mm-hmm. sitting across the table from that um because it's technically suboptimal in like the most minuscule way imaginable and so it will put some people on tilt what do you mean
2: land, never match.
0: match your lands what like your mountains you all have the same... different art on it yeah you got yeah. it also you should use half of them as snow lands even in a deck that doesn't run anything off of snow
1: oh which is, is, is very it?
0: fun
2: how is that? Wait, I don't understand. How can they be suboptimal?
0: They have the exact same function. Because it's easier for your opponent to count your cards because yeah, they know so which like if, cards have gone through the if cycle.
1: If they peek at one of the cards in my hand and it happens to be a mountain, for instance, and then it goes back to my hand, and then later I play a mountain, if I play a different one than the one they saw, then they know I still have one in my hand. Right? So there's like these weird edge cases where it's slightly suboptimal to not match that, your lands. Oh my God. You
0: know what? This there's is a also why a game where game. like competitive was somewhat shuttered because of the fact that people didn't bother with personal hygiene well you know I mean isn't it true that Gen Con literally had signs before saying you need to shower Gen Con had like giant signs that said cosplay is not consent the last time I went to Gen Con and everyone was very happy about the message being very firm and I'm but glad I thought- that the message was firm but it's very weird that we need to tell people
2: this No, I thought that, like, there was also another time or some other convention where apparently hygiene was just so, like, such an afterthought that people had to start saying you need to take showers before you could enter this convention hall. Woof. I can believe it. Like It's like, anyway, like, you know, this this just might be apocryphal. But my goodness gracious, that's really funny. Okay, so I need to ask a question, friendos. Okay, hit me. Okay, so we've already conceded that games matter. I now, think so. I would, lo- I would love to know, and I think viewers would like to know, which viewers as if... Wait, wait, sorry. Listeners, we're a podcast, not a vlog. Which is, what game matters the most to you? Oh, no. This is when we can start playing that Sarah McLaughlin song that you see in the dog commercial, As You pump palm- <laughs> 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 Like... You know like in the background as you're as you get misty eyed thinking of all those beautiful games that you've played
1: <laughs> well i've i'm gonna i'm gonna give you two answers um because one of them is a boring answer, but is the true one, and that is like i'm i made I made the vanilla game and I made it because that's how I run games. you know it's like that's my hard one version of house rules for playing that style of ridiculous like baseline dragon game. So it's it's honestly that one <laughs> is the like real answer. But the fun answer is I'll say Talislanta because I think Talislanta is like the most underserved game ever at this point. <laughs> like Talislanta is so important and so foundational in ways that no one realizes or cares about.
2: I thought you were actually going to do a callback and say Albedo.
1: No, no. If Joe, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna all acknowledge that albedo is actually the most important game, just in honor of Joe, and then we're, we're we'll talk about the next one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god! You know, I still haven't spent the five dollars for it.
0: Should I? I don't know what I'm gonna learn from a furry game. Like yeah. I've known furries, like I I I vaguely understand like their culture, you know, but like.
1: Joe thinks I, I should read more fork. I don't take suggestions from Joe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Joe. Uh, we might be a bit of a stretch, but you know.
0: <laughs> no, this is what Joe wants, though. Like, oh yeah, 100%. Joe will not approvingly at being roasted. Oh my God! You know what? I'm gonna, uh, I'm, I'm gonna which I'm using <laughs> to sidestep. You know, like answering because, like, yes. I, I have, like, the thing where, like, when I was young, when I was, like, very young, and this is an embarrassing story on some level, so why not, you know? Like, I grew up in a small town. Um, There were not many RPG books. Like, the big bookstore was, like, you know, about a 45-minute drive to, like, the area near a mall that my family would maybe go to once a month. So if I, like, you know found odd jobs and had saved up any amount of money, I could look at the cover price for an RPG and realize that maybe in a year I could earn that. Um, So, you know, riffs when I like saw it in like a hobby shop because there were used copies captured my imagination along with Deadlands because like they had like really cool covers to me as a like seven year old. But I actually do collect the old Deadlands books. Um, I have all the ones that don't involve having a lot of money to get because, like, those boxes are insane. So, like, I think of those as, like, important in weird ways and that they made me think about things. You know, like, Planescape is that way, too. But if I'm, like, preserving games out of self-interest, it's mothership. Like, Sean <laughs> is the person that, like, pays me when it comes down to it. I know where my bread is buttered. <laughs> <laughs> I know
2: what side this bread is
0: buttered. <laughs>
1: is Deadlands like Weird West stuff?
0: Yeah, it's it's got some real problematic content, but in the 90s way where it's trying... Oh, also my real answer is Paranoia XP, um, just to be clear, since I do have to always tell the truth eventually. <laughs> um, but... You know, where it like tries to mechanize being in a discriminated against group by like giving you social penalties, but like a bunch of bonus points for being. It ends up really tropey in a way that I think in some ways ends up being my dissatisfaction with a lot of story games. Huh. But. It also, I think, is a cautionary tale about the limits of trying to model oppression as something that has to have numbers behind it, because you can't trust people to act or think, you know, on our um, rules allied thing and such. Yeah.
2: That's more, more than fair. Sure. Oh,
0: me? Like. Yeah, you asked this cursed question.
2: I, I know. I was being sentimental. <laughs> no i mean on my end i would say that i grew up playing the dragon game i played i played ad&d that was my very first one and i was thinking about how i wish i could play it like i did when i was a child in the sense that i realized i didn't actually understand any of the rules
1: (laughs) yeah that's good stuff yeah
2: you know it's like Hmm, like when I was a kid, I was like, oh, you rolled this. But I never really understood what it meant. Largely because I was just following the lead of people older than me, my brothers, on how to play the game. And I don't think they knew how to play the game either. Because we didn't really have a, a frame of reference. So what happened was, you just I think we ended up just playing our version of the Dragon game. And uh, yeah, I mean, like later on, as you started playing with people outside of the family, it made sense, oh, we need to understand the rules now because everyone else understands it differently. And I think that's, I think um, something that's influenced even design up to now, which is the idea of, well, you know what? You don't have to play the game. You just have to play the game as you understand it. So I don't actually need all of these like large scale rules in order to play anything i make i think that's become the goal since the best game is the game that i didn't understand to play
0: <laughs> jared Maybe. do you have a cursed question oh sorry um, i didn't mean to cut you off that's yeah, okay
1: i can i can curse question what's what's a book our audience should read an rpg book we don't need to get too ridiculous
0: um oh, we should suggest they read real books
1: Okay, Uh, any kind of book. What's any book you think our audience should read?
0: Any book our
2: audience should read. I need to think about that.
0: Okay, so I'll start. Um, And now I'm blanking on the name of the author, but um, The Reactor in the Whale is a pretty... Easy and accessible science and technology studies book uh, about the implementation of technology and the questions uh, tied up in the distribution and use of technology that I think all people should read. I think really regardless of what you believe is a good technology, it's important to be informed about the tradeoffs, costs and considerations. And I think it makes it easier to read STS books in general, which is basically my hobby. I think. Uh, and, oh, my like, God. then you can read Epistemology of the Concrete and, like, oh um, a couple of books about the history of, like, yeah, you know, and then you could actually, like, talk with me about it. So I have someone to talk to. <laughs> no, that's the thing, though. Like, this actually, the,
2: this question actually has a bit of a. How do I put this? It actually shows what you think of your audience because what, what our audience should read. So I'm like, hmm, what kind uh-huh. of recommendation would I make to people who listen to this podcast? Which yeah. means, like, what kind of person then listens to this podcast? Which then means, okay, based on that, what would I recommend to them? A little bit different. Uh, yeah, so I'm still, like, kind of chewing over that.
1: Okay, well, I'll answer while you're chewing. Um, so the way I see it, we we spend a, we spend we end up reading books, because these are the books that exist. We end up reading books that sort of treat games as... I don't know, social, social activity. They sort of take a, a, a social or a, or a psychological or a, an ideological approach or whatever to games or even a systemic mechanical approach, right? In, in the case of at least one of the books. But I think I think for me, the sort of next step for us as a... As a community, as an industry, as a group of people working nearby each other, I think we really need to start, and I don't want to sound too critical, but I think we need to start thinking of games more as art um, and as an art form. And so I think what I would recommend to people on those grounds is there's a book called The House That Jack Built, which is um, an edited an edited collection of lectures that a poet named Jack Spicer gave in Vancouver in uh, the late 60s, just before he died. And the house that Jack built is an extraordinary... Like, those Vancouver lectures are extraordinarily important to me personally and the way I think about art and approach art. And they are sort of only about art. You can't really you can't really take an instrumental message out of them or anything. So I think that's, that might be a fun starting point for some people who are interested in, in thinking about how we exploring, how we might approach games as an artistic medium and not merely a product.
0: Man, now I'm going to have to read poetry. Well, importantly,
1: that book mm-hmm. is not poetry. That is a poet talking about poetry.
0: <laughs> oh, that's way more readable.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 So okay, 100%. I mean, it's, it's I was gonna,
2: but you know, thinking about that, I was actually going to suggest people need to read poetry. <laughs>
1: Oh, I agree. I I agree no, also. It's,
2: like, it's, it's more like, I think, you know, going back to the whole fact that if we are to consider RPGs in art, then I do think that we also need to master language. Now, I don't necessarily mean you need to master English. I think that's a very important caveat to be made because games should be made in any language that people feel comfortable expressing themselves in. So I would suggest that people need to master language really well because the problem with games these days i think is that it's not it's not but through any it's not through anyone's fault i mean they have to teach how to play right so there's a bit of a um, like a mechanical writing element to it i would say is that correct and maybe this like-
1: Like a technical writing element to it. Like a
2: technical writing element, like to, it. Technical writing element yeah. to it, yeah. So I guess this brings my, oh my goodness, is this why, this, oh my God, this, is all, this all comes back to like three years ago. Um, maybe this betrays why I actually kind of started writing so-called lyric games in a way, mm. because I think people can, I think reading a game book should be an enjoyable experience outside, Like like I would love to write a game book that no one will play but found pleasure in reading mm-hmm. if that makes any sense for so sure. i think yeah if anything like that does mean you have to play with language and i think the people who play with language the best are poets Hell so yeah. i would start reading poetry i mean i still do it's just that the poetry i read tends to be like shmarmy icky for many people in like, what way I- like I will I will read Mary Oliver unironically.
1: Oh, okay, sure.
2: You know what I mean? Like yeah. I will I will read poems like Mary Oliver's Oliver. Great. I mean, yeah, but let's face it. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> this, it's it's very much like the image of someone reading Mary Oliver is very much the uh, like, you know, a 60-year-old white woman with a glass of wine in her hand as she walks through the woods, <laughs> hoping that she won't bump into Hillary Clinton. I mean, that's that's the image. Yeah, you know what I mean? But definitely, yeah. I, I would say that uh, if you want to understand uh, games, I think one needs to also like respect language. And I think people should read poetry in any language that they feel comfortable in. Hell yeah. Oh my goodness, that, is, that was that became a little bit more personal than I realized.
0: <laughs> that, was, that was a very nice answer. I know, but
2: now I feel like because you know, okay, we're in ti- different time zones, right? So yeah. right now, I kid you not, as I was answering that, a, a cloud just moved and golden, treakly sunlight just flooded my room, and it's very <laughs> golden hour. So now I'm just kind of like, oh yes, poetry. <laughs> As I look at the remnants of my glass of wine from last night on my on my side table, I'm just kind of like, "This is this is, it's a sign, but it's just kind of like yuck." <laughs> it's one. Of, it, it looks like one of those ads for women on perimenopause. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my
1: god, <laughs> this
2: is terrible. This is terrible.
1: Uh, well, do we want to? Do we want to do our, our excellent call to action and tell people to go visit us on Twitter? At yes. kind
2: Trying. At Kind Trying. Um, yeah, you know what? I, honestly, I just... Okay, I am just really thankful that I ended up doing this podcast with you two.
1: Oh. Well yeah.
2: same. Because it's Canadian Thanksgiving next week and we have to be thankful for something
1: man they do it early up there huh don't they i think yeah think,
2: yeah I, I remember isn't canadian thanksgiving like the 10th yeah it's,
1: in october. it's in october and it's october sometime
2: because yeah um, it's october
1: 10th this year apparently i don't know if it always is but it is this year
2: I know it's October 10th this year because I have a few Canadian co-workers. I wow. lived in
0: Canada for a year, so I only had one Canadian Thanksgiving, and I just know it's in October.
1: It's in the, it's on the second Monday in October, so also it's on a Monday, which is very strange.
2: Oh my goodness. Well, Mahar,
1: I will, I'll echo your sentiment and say that in honor of Canadian Thanksgiving, I'm Canadian thankful for both of you.
2: That reminds me... A shout out to our friend Monday,
0: who it was actually their idea.
1: (laughs) This podcast was. This podcast was their
0: idea. All the positives, a credit to them. All the negatives are our words are our own.
1: No, I blame Joe for my bad words.